Welcome to 50 Date Night Screams. I'm Amber Tresca. And I'm Mike Tresca. We're a married couple who decide to celebrate our 50th birthdays by watching some old movies. A lot of old movies. Join us as we watch 50 movies on our date nights and have fun dissecting them. As a bonus, each episode is accompanied by an original character I created and designed for use in your tabletop role-playing games. Many of the movies we watch are unrated, but this podcast is not. 50 Date Night Screams contains mature themes and is intended for adult audiences, so take care when listening. Plus, there are spoilers. Check the show notes to see where you can watch this movie before you listen. We're glad you're here. Have a seat, grab a glass of your favorite beverage, and get ready to scream along with us. All right. Welcome to episode four of Date Night Screams. Hey, Mike. Hey, Amber. <laughs> What's going on? Oh, you know, talking about movies that aren't about what they promise. Yeah, this one's really funny. So today we're going to be discussing a movie called Buried Alive. And this is from 1939. And the reason why I say 1939 very specifically is because there are several movies entitled Buried Alive. And this one, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm going to read a couple of different summaries. All right. I didn't write my own summary. I kind of took one summary and changed it a little bit. And then I have the summary that came with the 50 Night Screams movie pack that we are pulling these movies from. Okay, so Buried Alive, the first summary. A prison trustee rescues a despondent executioner, ooh, that's tough to say, from a barroom brawl, is blamed for the fight by the tabloid reporter who actually started it, loses parole, becomes embittered, and gets blamed for the murder of a guard. Okay, that's a lot. This, this this dude, this dude goes through a lot. Okay. All right. That was one summary that I just gave a light edit to. Okay. This is the summary from the, from, from the actual movie pack. All right. Buried Alive. A prison trustee is soon to be released from prison. I love that prison. Like I would have changed that. When he ends up stopping a bar brawl involving one of the prison guards. After some unkind press for him on the bar brawl. The convict is turned down for his early parole. Will his love for the prison nurse help him in getting past all of the people trying to keep him in prison and looking at the electric chair? So I have this image from this last sentence of people like holding him down and making him look at the electric chair. <laughs> it's amazing because it sounds like you just described two completely different movies. One is like a romantic drama, and the other one sounds like it's a prison drama, and um, one of them's right. <laughs> <laughs> I think they're both a little bit right. Um, so the hilarious tagline from this movie is, love finds its way behind the gates of prison, exclamation point. And so, like, it's kind of hilarious because... I mean, we'll get into it, but it really, it has very, it's very little to do with love. But in any case. Has a lot to do with lust, actually. A lot of lust. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, it's a serious, like, love triangle? Quadrangle? I don't really know. Okay. Buried Alive. All right. Also, the movie posters. 
couple of them kind of look like they describe the movie, but there's this one movie poster, and I have to scroll all the way to the bottom of my notes for this one because I found it on Letterboxd, which is the app where, uh, you know, I'm sort of halfway, <laughs> not very good about it, keeping track of these movies. So the one movie poster is a bunch of dudes standing around, whatever, that's probably pretty accurate. This other movie poster is a, a grave, like a deep grave, and there are people on either side of the grave holding onto lines, lowering a coffin into the grave. And there's red text that looks a little like handwriting, but like, you know, spooky handwriting. It says buried alive. And there's a big head above this open grave of a man like he's green. Like he's supposed to be like, like he just looks like a regular dude. He's scared, but his skin is actually kind of green. You know, I don't know. From that... I would have thought it was like a zombie movie. So if it were me and I went and saw this movie and paid money for it, like I would be upset because this poster doesn't have anything to do with the movie. All right. So 1939, the director was Victor Halperin. Um, 62 minutes. There weren't, there, there wasn't too much about the actors. Um, some of them went on to do like a, like be in a lot of movies, like all the way up until the seventies. Um, some of them, not so much. But the one story that I came across is the actor that played the the main character, the inmate slash chauffeur slash trustee. I don't really know what that means. He died of a heart attack. His name was Robert Wilcox. He died of a heart attack at the age of 45, which is, I thought, kind of sad. So that was kind of a little piece of trivia about, about this movie. So he's, He was leading man material, too. He was like a handsome guy, clearly sort of set up to be... I'm not sure what the prototype was, but he he was there to be <laughs> adored by some woman for reasons that weren't particularly specified. Right. I mean, he um, the actor apparently struggled with alcohol addiction and some other things, and so they they actually found him. He was on a he was on a train. Now I can't remember where he was going. He was on a train, and they'd like found him dead in the. Like, in his seat, I guess, oh, was what happened. Like, really, not great. Yeah, it was a good-looking dude. Probably, like, maybe the best actor in this movie. Um, <laughs> Mike is nodding his head. Yeah. Yes, very much so. But anyway, let's talk about how this movie starts out, which we had. We really didn't have any preconceptions, or I didn't have any preconceptions about this movie, except that I thought there was going to be... Um, an actual buried alive situation, which never, never materialized. <laughs> but the movie starts off in a prison. It's with this character. His name is Ernie. And Ernie is the executioner. <laughs> By the way, just for the record, it's Ernie the executioner. Just Ernie the executioner. <laughs> and the very first scene is... You're listening to the radio, and the radio is describing... It's so funny how so many of these movies, it's like it's either a newspaper or the radio story, or that's how that's how all these movies start. So it, it, it gives you a picture of what's going on. So the, the radio was talking about that an inmate who apparently had was convicted of killing three women uh, was put to death that night. And so the radio describes it. The radio also names Ernie. They're like put to death by Ernie, such and such. And I'm like, that's wild. Like, that's bonkers. Consequently, 
Ernie throws a complete shit fit about how much he hates his job as as the executioner. Okay. And this is also it's by electric chair. Okay. And he and he says, I put people to death or whatever for two hundred and fifty dollars. And okay, I looked it up. All right. Guess how much two hundred and fifty dollars would be in twenty twenty three money from nineteen thirty nine? a thousand. Nope. <laughs> Higher or lower? Higher, like a lot higher. Uh, five thousand. Yes, two hundred and fifty bucks in nineteen thirty nine is about five thousand dollars today. Wow! So if you think about that, if he's um if he's pulling that switch once a month, like that's a that's a you know you could live on that in some parts of the country, I think. And I mean, there's two things we've seen him do, right? The the prisoners, which is kind of disturbing, all see the lights flicker because he tests it once, and then he does it again for real. Um, but I think he turns a knob and flips a switch for five thousand dollars. I mean, of course, obviously he's snuffing out a person's life, but he he technically that's what his job apparently entails because there's a doctor who checks to see if you're dead. That's a different guy. There's somebody who absolves you of your sins. That's a different guy. And there's a prison warden, and then Johnny on the spot there who. Uh, you know, gets into trouble. It sounds like he doesn't have to do a whole lot for that 5000 Well, no. no. I mean, physically, it's not a lot. But right. he he does really let loose on the people that are around him in the beginning of the movie. So it is the, I guess he's a chaplain, the, uh, the warden, and then the doctor. Okay. So he lets loose on these people that they don't understand what it's like and whatever. And they they kind of go, I forget which character it is. One one of the characters is like, you know, get it together or, or quit. Like do one or the other. And it's like, it's wild because Ernie's clearly like, he, he shouldn't be doing this job anymore. And they kind of are like, eh, it's fine. Don't do it anymore. You know, like that's basically, if you don't like it, like just don't do it. Like that's all they have to offer. I really thought this was going to be the mirror image of Anatomy of a Psycho, where you were going to have the perspective of the prison guard. I knew it wasn't about actually being buried alive, or rather it's metaphorically about being buried alive, which you could make that argument. Yeah, I no. Yeah, <laughs> like, no. Yeah. Like, no. Like, never gets there. Never gets to bury alive. Right. And that's the problem, is because it didn't really go into too deeply on Ernie, the executioner's sort of perspective, or even Johnny... His background is also weirdly sort of there's parts we go into and parts we don't. So it was like, who's the point of view where what's the point of view the movie is trying to advocate where with uh, Anatomy of a Psycho? It was clearly talking about the consequences of execution from people who survive. I thought it was going to be about Ernie and it shifts gears pretty quickly after Ernie screws everything up. Right. Well, you know, Ernie's in a bad place, so he decides to go out drinking. So he's drinking and there's some reporters in this bar because they're all there to witness the execution, right? And Ernie basically calls them like a bunch of slimy pieces of shit. And he's like, you just, you know, you're just like spectating here and it's, and it's grisly and you shouldn't be doing that. And they're like, dude, it's our job. And by the way, you're the one that's fucking killing people. And, you know, and he's already, Ernie's already not feeling great about that. So and these, you know, supposed tabloid reporters and Ernie get into a fist fight. Not, it's one. There's one sleazy guy. The other two reporters make it a point of saying they can't stand the one 
jerk ass, and he's the one that causes all the trouble. Jerk ass. He causes all the trouble. <laughs> he and he's had it out. There's sort of hints of a political battle going on behind the scenes, which the movie does get into a little bit. That essentially, this one reporter has it out for the administration that's running the both the current government as well as the yeah the pr- totally prison. he doesn't like he doesn't like the governor he doesn't like the warden because the warden got his job because the governor gave him his job so he like he's kind of mad about i don't know like like favors going on i guess he he seems to be implying but but essentially he starts a fist fight with ernie like and i don't know what his end game was oh well, they were here. drunk i mean they were like you know acting drunk like totally fake slurred like rolling around so they definitely were drunk but that guy for the record threw the first so the sleazy reporter threw the first punch uh, at ernie the executioner i'm gonna keep scrolling right 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 right. i mean that kind of doesn't matter because what happens is is that the prisoner which they call the trustee which i I don't know what that means i didn't really look it up there's Um, a lot of freedom he has a lot of freedom. Right, but he essentially is kind of like a driver. So he's driving people around on behalf of the prison, right? So he's he's very trusted. He's up for parole pretty soon. So he had been driving the nurse and the doctor, and the nurse, who, you know, does all of the emotional labor in this movie, the nurse is like, let's go by the bar. I really didn't like how Ernie was talking. I'm worried about him. Let's go pick him up. So the nurse and the prisoner, Johnny, show up. Johnny sees that a fight's going on. He sees that Ernie is going to get his ass handed to him. And it's, it's, it's a brawl. It's not just a fight. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. a, a old timey, like, old Western it's brawl. Hilarious. Going on. The bartender's hilarious. He's like, hey, you guys stop that. What are you doing? You can't do that in here. You know, it's like, it's hilarious. We just need a piano player playing music. Quickly. That would have been the best. That would have been the best if there had been a piano player in the background, like, you know, just like increasing the speed of, of mm-hmm. his playing. Like, that would have been the best. So Johnny runs in. Grabs Ernie. He throws some punches too because he's getting Ernie the hell out of there. Johnny, the prisoner, ends up with like getting like uh, I, I think like a bottle in his neck or something. Can we call we call him Jailbird Johnny and Ernie the Executioner? I feel like oh, okay. we keep this so going. yeah 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 yeah. So Jailbird Johnny comes out and he's he's like bleeding and whatever, and so they take him to the hospital and he spends a little while. They say the hospital, but it kind of is like the prison hospital, right? So the nurse is taking care of him there, and then, like, they're falling in love, you know? Now, there's a a couple of pieces before this where everyone is in love with their nurse. Everyone's in love with the nurse. She's the only woman in the movie. She's apparently the only woman of five-mile radius. Like, so, yeah, everybody's everybody's in love with her. The one – the doctor says he's proposed to her, like, nine times, you know? Meanwhile, meanwhile – who does this gal decide that she's got the hots for? Jailbird. Johnny the Jailbird Johnny. Johnny. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You could have married a doctor. <laughs> Instead, she falls in love with Jailbird Johnny. It's hilarious. Jailbird Johnny. And, and it's funny because the the doctor is really insistent. And then the... Um, I keep wanting to say the clergyman. Uh, the, cha- the chaplain? I don't the really chaplain. know what he is. I mean, that's, obviously that's right he word. can, obviously he's allowed to, you know, have the hots for a nurse and think about marrying her. So what, like, I don't know what denomination that is, but he's, he's allowed. And so. that doesn't, like, we were convinced any minute that was going to take a turn where all these rivals were going to turn this into like a bloodthirsty, like battle for her affection. Fighting over her. And they really don't. They like come together as like a brotherhood of support. No, which they're is like, nice. oh. 
They're like, oh, that makes sense. She wants to be with Jerbo Johnny. Yeah. <laughs> the bad okay. boy, I guess. I okay. don't know what the hell's that, going that on. That makes sense. You know, that's that's fine. That's all fine. Oh, Joan. I, uh, I... Well, what's the matter? Wait. It's Johnny. What's wrong with Johnny? Well, there's nothing wrong with him. It's... I just don't know how to tell you. I love him. You love Johnny? Yes. Are you sure? I was never sure of anything in my life. Moving right along here, uh, this tabloid reporter decides to start writing it up. So, you know, let's, uh, you know, take a beat to discuss the depiction of media in this movie that this guy may have been like investigative journalist. I don't know. Maybe the warden shouldn't have had his job. Maybe the governor shouldn't have been, maybe there was corruption. Like we don't really know, but the way that it's portrayed is that this guy's just like stirring the shit just because he feels like doing it. He's sleazy for sure. He's sleazy. That's And that's he's everywhere. Thing. He's like the devil. He shows up at every major discussion of Johnny Jailbird's like future. He's right. there to gloat. Or basically say, yeah, that guy assaulted me. In addition to his article, he's constantly sort of just twisting the knife. Right. So, all right. So, Jailbird Johnny does not get out of jail like he's supposed to. Doesn't get parole. They have to keep him in because they're like, we can't let you out. There's all this media attention. Let's just let it die down for like another year. And Jailbird Johnny's like, the fuck another year? Are you kidding me with this? (laughs) Another year I was supposed to get out. And then I got this hot nurse. Like, we were going to go do stuff. Like, it's so funny. He says something like that. He's like, we were going to go do things. It's like, yeah, we know what you all wanted to go do. But anyway, so he's now, he's stuck there, okay? The the rest of this has kind of been set up all along. Johnny's been talking about his his cellmate who is increasingly talking about violence that he wants to, uh, he, he, he wants to squeeze somebody's neck until they pop. And so that's a direct quote. It's direct quote, mm-hmm. right? He says it many times. Uh, and his name is Big Billy, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, the alliteration we have going here is just... <laughs> I love it. That's I why mean, I can't... It's good. Keep it going. Good. Keep it going. All right. So Big Billy, one night, decides to get in a fight with the guards. Well, actually, Doctor goes on vacation. Johnny Jailbird tells... I mean, we have to call him Vacation Doctor. I don't know what his name is. <laughs> but anyway, Malibu Doctor. He tells him, I need you to help Big Billy. I think Big Billy's used to being out in the farmland He's a he's a a rural kind of guy. He likes to be outside. It's not good for him to be locked up. Can you do something? And the doctor says totally. Finds out by the way on the way back that Johnny Jailbird and the nurse are somehow together. Doesn't phase him at all. And then essentially says, "I didn't forget. I'm going to help out Billy." And he says, "Bring him out. Have the guards bring Billy to me. We will discuss a transfer." And that's when Billy fucks up ridiculously poorly. right because they're like letting him out and billy's like where are you taking me i'm not sick what's your problem and they're like oh the doctor just wants to talk to you so jailbird johnny's like the doctor just wants to talk to you trying to calm him down and he's like no that's not cool and so he attacks the guard and well, they had a they had and they had a history so that was the other thing is a few times that's why big billy got his little quote of i'm gonna squeeze your head i mean i think pop. you know it like any garden like right like there's, there's always gonna be a history right well, I, so, I, I love big billy's just like he just say things that were transparently obvious like you're not so tough if you if you wouldn't say that if i could reach you or if i was out of this right, cell right. you'd be dead and he just kept saying that and like 
like a beeline as soon as he's free to do the thing, he went and did it. Yeah, of course. So he ends up killing one guard and then he's fighting with the other one and then Jailbird Johnny kind of pulls him off. So then Big Billy runs out of the jail. It's kind of funny. Like he's just like the the door is like right there. You know, I when we were watching it, I was like, oh look, it's like the bat cloud of wherever they were filming this at. Because he like runs out a door. And of course there's snipers, right? And like why are these snipers? these also these snipers were like two feet from one another, which was hilarious. Like it's just occurring to me now. Like you wouldn't have snipers like that, right? You'd have them in different places. Like you would Anyway, so these two snipers are shooting at Billy, and then Jailbird Johnny runs out, Billy, don't run out, you can't escape, they're going to shoot you, and of course they shoot Billy, they shoot Johnny, Billy's dead, and Johnny is shot, he's once again in the hospital with the nurse, sure it's exactly where he wants to be, and then now, there's only another person that has witnessed this, is another inmate. So there's only one person that can say that jailbird johnny didn't actually hurt anyone that he was trying to help and they didn't get along so that's the other thing nobody gets along with anybody else except the nurse apparently but this other inmate was very angry and jealous about jailbird johnny's freedoms and i guess being a trustee whatever that means so he there was a lot of like you're a turncoat you're you're whatever that was going on between these two so now this guy is sitting pretty he's got the ability to essentially lord over jailbird johnny potentially life and death yeah absolutely and then, so it goes to trial and of course you have an inmate killing a guard uh, supposedly and and this other this other inmate uh, now we got to come up with a name for him because i don't remember his name um <laughs> turncoat terry i don't know <laughs> <laughs> turncoat terry <laughs> turncoat terry makes sure that jailbird johnny gets sentenced to death so now you have Executioner Ernie is all set to pull the switch again. Ernie is in the spot of the most innocent, the person best to vouch for Jailbird Johnny. And now he's got to kill Oh, him. everybody vouched for Jailbird Johnny. It yeah. doesn't matter because yeah. Turn Terry was like, I was there and I saw what happened. Yeah. Okay. So now a weird thing happens. They go and get uh, Turncoat Terry and they're like, you made sure that he is being executed. So... You need to be here and you need to watch it. And for whatever reason, he's like, all right. You know, and he comes along. <laughs> so he's going to watch it. So they have him watch. And by the way, you never see an electric chair or anything like that. Okay. Because like the the room that Executioner Ernie is in is different from the room that the actual execution is taking place in, which I think is not too far off the mark. And the warden has to take his handkerchief out of his pocket. That's the sign to, right, they have a sign, everything's ready. Yeah, and so that then Executioner Ernie knows that he needs to pull the switches or whatever the heck he does. Okay, so all of that goes on, and then, <laughs> like, within seconds, within seconds, Turncoat Terry, who just, like, hates everybody. I mean, I don't blame him. Like, like it's not, like, none of these people are going to be your friends, right? Okay, but Turncoat Terry's like, aha, you're all executioners because... Jailbird Johnny was innocent, so all you fucking people murdered him, and he was innocent. How do you like that? Which is like the weirdest revenge fantasy ever. I mean, maybe it was all he had, but so wild. At this point, like, I really didn't know where the movie was going. Like, I had no idea, like, what was next, truly, which was kind of fun. I wonder how the warden's gonna feel when he finds out he's killed an innocent guy. And you too! 
That makes you all murderers, doesn't it? Sure it does! It makes you more killers than all those guys on death row! That kid was innocent. Say it again, boss! Say it again! Let's, let's all hear you say it! So he's like, say it again! And Turco's Terry's like, he didn't do it! He didn't kill that guard! You know, Big Billy did it, and you're all a bunch of fucking idiots, and you all put somebody to death, and bleh, you know, and then they're like, ahaha, we didn't actually kill Joe Bird, Johnny. This was all a ruse, because we knew that he wasn't guilty. <laughs> it's the most hilarious thing. Like, um, they let Joe Bird, Johnny out. I don't know what happens to Trinko Terry. Did they even say? No. No. I mean, presumably goes back to prison. Yeah, of course. I mean, I don't know if they tech, but like, he did perjure himself. Executioner Ernie had a backup plan. Oh, yeah. So what did Executioner Ernie do? His backup plan. And he show him like tapping this envelope lovingly. He has this little envelope. And we come back around. So the movie's wrapping back to where it started. And Executioner Ernie says, I was going to resign anyway. And good luck, assholes, trying to find a replacement for me in 24 hours. So, <laughs> ha ha. Even if it didn't work out, I it was going to do the morally right, morally right thing, which, of course, he didn't do all this time. And he says, I'm going on vacation to the Bahamas or wherever that other doctor went to. No, no, no. I'm he's not going on vacation. He buys a farm. Oh, he buys a farm. He buys That's a right. farm. And he's like, I'm going to raise chickens. That's right. But only for the eggs. It's like That's hilarious. Right. Like, I'm not going to kill any of the chickens. Oh, my God. Did Ernie the executioner buy the farm? Did He, he just, bought the he farm. He bought the farm? Literally bought the farm. I just got bought that. Bought the farm. Bought the farm in Connecticut, which <laughs> I also right. found super funny. It's probably so. our neighbor. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? With the price of eggs these days, like where hey, executioner Ernie, where are you at? Like, can we develop a relationship? I would really like some of those eggs. That's right. Um. So yeah. So that's like the whole movie. It was really wild. Nobody gets buried alive. The thing. Okay. So some of the reviews that we found, some of the commentary about it, talked about the movie as like a throwaway and whatever, and like not really because it was. It's another one of these movies that is a social commentary and it doesn't it doesn't really say anything about capital punishment okay it's just kind of like capital punishment is all right but executioner ernie is like legit not okay like the dude is not okay in any kind of way so showing that i think is really important because if you've ever learned about people who are responsible for following through on the death penalty, that job does people dirty. People end up in very bad, you know, mental health situations. It affects their whole family. If you um, take some time to learn anything about that, like it's not great. So that's the fallout from capital punishment um, that goes on. So it does depict that I think pretty well and then also that everybody is ineffectual at helping Ernie nobody helps Ernie even though they're going to take like bad Billy out to talk to the doctor like nobody <laughs> nobody takes Ernie for, for some counseling like that's never offered so yeah it, it's uh it's interesting because I really thought it was going to be Ernie's story um Ernie's the beginning of the catalyst of the story but it turns out to be Johnny Jailbird's sort of saga of romance and prison life and a poor schmuck who just falls on bad luck sometimes as he likes to refer to himself 
but uh, it did take a turn. So it was interesting because it, it, it wasn't actually the thrust of the film from his perspective. It certainly dealt with capital punishment overall, but it didn't deal with Ernie only. It started there and sort of ended there. And to your point, if they had just dealt with Ernie originally and he didn't go to a bar as therapy, essentially, we could have avoided the whole problem. Right, for sure. And again, doesn't really say much about the prison industrial complex in in so many words. Okay, we see the warden. The warden seems like a decent fellow, you know. Um, but you know, you have this this sort of tabloid reporter who's depicted as like a slimy kind of guy. But like I said, he could have been an investigative journalist, and he was like, "This this shit is all fucked up," and wanted to take everybody down. Like that is a real thing. That's valid. And he could have been, the editing could have been doing him dirty, right? Like, he could have been in the right about about all of this. So we don't really know. But essentially, it does depict that there could be something going on there and that perhaps um, putting people in jail for a long period, in prison for a long period of time is not so great, you know? Well, and Big Billy's that story, right? So, uh Johnny Jailbird is sort of the success story, right? Everybody's like, you know, he's walking around doing very driving a car tasks. I mean, he's yeah. really sort of hanging out, living the life. Doesn't mean that he's not in prison, but he's clearly trusted enough as a trustee, I guess, to do this stuff. Big Billy is the reverse. He's not uh, able to cope well, although we don't see it. We just hear about it from Johnny Jailbird. But it's a situation that Johnny keeps saying, I think he's going to snap if you don't address this and of course by the time they do it's too late so it was interesting because the contrast of the two men tells a little bit of a story about the prison complex right and the way that they depict big billy and you and i came to this conclusion while we were watching the movie and then lots of other reviewers whose whose words that we read online came to the same conclusion that he was analogous to lenny in of mice and men so he was kind of a person who may have had intellectual disabilities. And so in that way, the movie is incredibly ableist in that it's showing someone with an intellectual disability who's been put in prison for, I don't remember if they ever said what he did, but then of course, you know, he is just going to like squeeze people until they pop. And so, you know, that's really, that's also really unfortunate. I think it's probably pretty accurate for the time and the way that people were treated, but you know, he ends up being a character that gets thrown away essentially because he is intellectually different and really horrible, not something that we would like to see in in a more, you know, modern movie for sure. And definitely something that I think was repeated years ago and maybe we didn't think too much about it then, but now we understand a lot more and that also that people with intellectual disabilities are much more likely to be a victim of violence than they are to perpetrate violence as was shown in this movie. So that was upsetting. This movie, while depicting um, how capital punishment can really affect people in ways that that maybe was not is not always thought of or not always seen or shown, um, which I thought was good. It was great, really courageous, actually. I think you know. But then the depiction of Big Billy was just just terrible. It was just awful from beginning to end. Yeah, and, and Johnny makes the point. He he literally says of mice and men without saying it. He says, "Remember that book, or you know, where there's a guy. I think he's just like that." So they really draw the parallel pretty strongly, uh, and it doesn't work out for Lenny either. 
So um, not not a big surprise in sort of how it, it ends up. The, the bigger twist is how it affects Johnny. So it's an interesting contrast again between there's there's fallout from what happens with Billy that affects everybody involved. It affects Turncoat Terry. It affects Johnny. It affects everybody involved. In a couple of minutes, the guards will come for him, and you'll start walking... Stop that crap, will you? Give me the creeps. Not half so bad as you'll have him from now on. At night, after they turn the lights out, you'll be down there in your cot, and cursed because you can't sleep. Maybe you'll even see Johnny. There in the dark. Maybe he'll point a finger at you and say, What are you waiting for, boss? Why don't you come on over here? Well, we can set things. So here's the big question. Despite what the movie poster looks like or what one of the movie posters looks like, is Buried Alive a horror movie or is it something else? Well, like we sort of said with some of the other ones we've watched where um, they it's a drama. It's, a, it's meant to be uh, horrifying, but I wouldn't call it a horror, no. Um, in fact, what's weird about this one is there's a happy ending and it's 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 real. The heart of this movie is a romance. So uh, I, I would say, actually, it's not a horror. No, it takes on some social issues. I mean, it doesn't really take them on. It depicts some social issues. It leaves you to make your own conclusions about them. Um, so that was interesting. Death, there's death in the movie. But um, yeah, not not horror. Wasn't really scary. Not a lot of screaming. There was. It's not a scream worthy. <laughs> no, it's not. It's not, it's not a lot of screaming. All right. So let's give it some ratings then. Let's give it some ratings. All right. So, how many knives are we going to give this movie? So, and when we talk about knives, we're talking about um, what was the body count like? How scary was it? Was it gory, or did it live up to its title? So, what do you think, Mike? Oh man, you biased it with that last statement. <laughs> one flimsy rubber fake knife. Uh, you know, one of those retractable knives you stab somebody. It's not actually a knife. Yeah. So um, I thought the the concepts were certainly horrifying, um, and I do. I m- metaphorically believe. I hope, uh, besides just li- outright lying that somebody's actually buried alive. Johnny Jailbird essentially gets buried by the prison complex. But then sort of the love of a good woman, I guess, is part of what saves him. I'm still not really sure. Um, but it, it, for sure, I don't think it was particularly horrifying. And there were there, two, three, three kills, right? Between one execution, uh, Big Billy obviously getting shot, and the prison guard. So that's three. But I'd still give it one knife. Wow, one knife. Ooh, I think that's the first one knife rating. Um I think I'm going to give it two. I mean, you know, you had people getting shot. Jailbird Johnny got, got like, shanked, and then he got shot, um, you know, and... Um, oh, shucks, and, I'm back in the, the nurse's office. Oh, no. Oh, shucky darn. Um, so, I, you know, it is kind of funny. There's there's one scene where she's just taking care of him in the way that a nurse would take care of a patient, but that can be very intimate. And so, and it and it is in a way. And so he's saying how he hasn't been touched in a while. And I'm sure he's been touched. I'm sure he's been shoved or pushed or whatever. But he hasn't been touched in a, in a loving or a caring way, you know. And that also goes back to the idea of what prison can do to people and how it affects them mentally. I think I'll give it two knives for those deaths. And um and and for the one scene where there was there was another inmate, we don't have a name for him either, but he was talking to Turncoat Terry and he was like reciting some poetry and got a little, he got a little dark, he got a little spooky. Poetry Pete. Poetry, poetry Pete. Pete. 
And so I think they were trying to get to the buried alive part by that, that he was basically telling Turncoat Terry, you may die, bro. And in the afterlife, you may meet up with these people that you done wrong. And I, maybe that worked on Turncoat Terry a little bit because he did at the end. Poetry <laughs> Pete spends most of the film pretending he's reading his book and not caring. And boy, does he come swinging philosophically at philosophically, Turncoat Terry. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he really just... I all of a sudden this deep well of emotion comes out of him about how guilty Turncoat Terry is going to feel for allowing an innocent man to be executed, which is really interesting because maybe it's being aimed at other people uh, who support the the execution. But it was it was interesting because that character sort of seems like a throwaway character, and all of a sudden we just he just talks for five minutes. Yeah, it was it was very. Um... It's very interesting. Okay, so let's talk about glasses of wine. So how many glasses of wine are we going to give this movie? Was it fun to watch? Did it have any unique moments? You know, how much did we enjoy watching it? I have to say, I mean, as much as I was disappointed in the lack of murder, I actually enjoyed this a lot. I mean, it is sort of this... I did not love the way the nurse was depicted. I didn't love every man, just about every man in in the movie falling in love with her. But some of those are artifacts of the time, so you got to put that in that context. But I actually enjoyed it more than I expected to, and it wasn't as probably as much of a prison complex story that I thought it might be. But it also was different than what I expected. So I, I would give it three uh, glasses of wine. I I was fairly entertained. I don't know if you want to do this as a date thing. I mean, it's a romance, but uh, I I enjoyed the the enough that I would I would give it more than I think I normally would. Three, three, uh, three glasses of wine. Yeah, I, I think I would agree. I think if you are watching this movie with somebody whom you don't know very well, it would certainly bring about how you might feel about capital punishment or the prison industrial complex, which, you know, I mean, I can imagine people go through their whole courtship and get married before <laughs> without discussing these things, um, these deeper social issues, which hopefully, I mean, they're obviously a part of a lot of people's lives. Yeah, I mean, it was, you know, it was it was worthwhile. It, it, the movie um, had something to say. It was, I, it was not, it's not a throwaway kind of movie. It clearly made some points. And, and for that, like, I, I, like, I think that's good. All right. So overall rating. So how many screams are we going to give this movie? Um, I think I'd probably stick with the three. I think, uh, it was, it had something to say. It was a little outdated. There probably wasn't as much violence as you might expect. Certainly nobody was being buried. So I think that that was a a little bit of a hit against it. I I probably edged towards a four if I didn't feel like there was a lot of (laughs) mis uh, advertising in its context, but I, I I would say it was the three. I, I, I thought it was uh, interesting to see. So I, I don't think it was terrible. And I think you and I, I felt like we enjoyed watching it. So I can't say that about every film. So I thought I thought it was okay. Three stars. Three, oh wait, excuse me. Three screams. Screams. Yeah. Three screams. screams. Yeah. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll go along with that. I'll go along with three screams. It. I think it. I think it's worth seeing. I also feel like with these older movies, like they're an hour or they're just over an hour. And you know what? I'll give it an hour. Right. 
I will bail on a movie if it is a two-hour movie and I get through a half an hour of it and I'm, like, fucking annoyed out of my brain. Like, that's the end of that shit. I'm not watching that anymore. But, like, or an sleep. hour... Or sleep is the other side, too. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I'm a mother of teenagers. Sometimes I don't make it. So if it's more than an hour and a half long, yeah. like, you might be telling me the end later because I And, and not interesting enough to hold your attention and keep your... Well, that's the other thing. That's the other thing. Yeah. Thing. You know, I, I think it's worth seeing. It certainly can bring up a lot of discussion. I continue to be impressed with the cinematography, the sets, the acting. I mean, Ernie the Executioner, maybe a little over the top. Um, at point at one point he gives like this big, like uh, a stage wink. Like at the end, he's like, wink, like you could almost hear his eyeball, like you could hear his eyelid closing. Like it was like, wink, like hilarious. The thing with, I'm noticing with these older movies is that they do move along pretty quickly. People will complain that they're slow. They're, they're really not. Like a lot is happening in a short amount of time and it's not repeated. I think more modern movies repeat things so that you're not you're not forgetting it like through a flashback or through a montage or whatever. But but I think that there is a place for that because some of these movies I'm finding watching one time is not enough. I'm not truly understanding them. So I, I think they're worthwhile for all of those reasons. So yeah, I'll give it um I'll give it three screams. We saw the tagline that didn't make any sense. I have my own tagline. You want to hear my own tagline for this movie? Please tell me your your new tagline. Yes, please. Here, here's my tagline for this movie. Okay, it's not going to sell any movie tickets though. All right, nobody is buried alive. That's my tagline for the for buried alive. <laughs> nobody is buried alive. That's what they should have put on the poster for this movie. But of course, and they lived did. happily ever after. And, and well, not everybody. I mean, people did die. Like, it's not right. And yeah. I don't, I don't, well, no, and, but they don't live. You're right. So, they... yeah, but here's the other thing <laughs> <laughs> that's a good point. And we could get into the semantics of how that sentence is constructed. Um, but the other thing, Ernie the Executioner, like, he is not going to go to Connecticut on his farm and raise some chickens and sell the eggs and be mentally okay. He's probably got some PTSD. And because it's 1939, it probably won't get dealt with. Anyway, poor, poor Ernie. All right, so let's move along to the character that you created uh, to be inspired by this movie. So tell me about the character and where the character might be used. So Big Billy was the obvious one. Um, I, I really like the idea of sort of a character who um, he's pretty straightforward, but he's certainly sort of a, a childlike level of malevolence. He's like a very dangerous toddler. Um, I think, unfortunately, in the movie, Big Billy isn't quite as big. I think, you know, these days, if we could get sort of someone who was like Andre the Giant, RIP Andre the Giant, but someone like that, you really get the, the physicality. Um, they kind of talk him up, so it's not that way. So, But in the fantasy version, I full-on made him a large, like, half-ogre character um, that cannot be uh, provoked without consequence. So we, I did make him f- larger than life, literally. And I think that works well, because we don't have that many characters. A lot of these uh, gothic villains tend to be masterminds. Billy is not that. So what, what are his stats? So he's big. What does that mean as far as translating to his stats? 
Yeah, Billy's a tank, right? So he's the he's the guy that you do not want to take head on, but he's probably the one that you provoke accidentally either in a bar or uh, that a gang uses as their patsy to sort of put him out front and then leave him when things get rough. And uh, Big Billy has a lot of uh, features that involve smashing heads and squeezing necks till they po- till heads till they pop. So he's one of those characters. He's very unarmed combat. And he's good at smashing things into other things, usually people. You know what just came to mind for me? What? Uh, Gaston from Beauty and the Beast. Like, mm-hmm. that's what I'm thinking of. Like, yep. right? Okay. All right. And so where might this character be used? What kind of scenarios do you think a DM might pull this character in? He's actually goes well with the other gothic villains. He's sort of the brute uh, that I think people might use to their own ends. I mean, in some ways, he's a little tragic, right? Because he doesn't he's not smart enough to know he's being manipulated. And certainly in the movie, Johnny's a good influence, um, but he could have just as easily come under a negative influence. We saw that, you know, as soon as he got the chance to murder somebody and like he murdered him, you can imagine that's how probably how he got there. And uh, Big Billy in the, in this version is very much the same. He uh, he has no compunctions and he has no no uh, filter. So any villain who would want to use him, he absolutely could be uh, lined up as basically the heavy, sort of that first line of defense where, you, you know, you beat up the, the the first few guys and then there's the the one where you punch him in the stomach five times and nothing happens and then he grabs you by the head. That's Big Billy. Right. So where can people find this character so that they can download it and put it into their campaign? Yep. So it'll be offered for free on my Patreon. It's patreon.com slash T-A-L-I-E-N, Italian. And we'll have we have each one of these. We do one every episode, so we'll have him for free. Uh, but he will also be collected in a in a gothic villain supplement called the Five E Foes Gothic Villains, and he'll be in there as well, where we go into a little bit more detail of how he works, interacts with different settings and and villains. But yeah, he will be available for free for use in your campaigns. All right, and uh, I think that does it for episode four. Buried Alive. Anything else to add, Mike? Anything else that uh, you want to get off your chest? $5,000 and a dozen eggs. <laughs> you know what? A dozen eggs are costing right around $5,000 <laughs> at this point. You know, it's like, if you're out there, Ernie, dude, lay some eggs on me. I, I would really appreciate it. You know? All right. <laughs> That'll do it for episode four of 50 Date Night Screams. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, Amber. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to 50 Date Night Screams. Be sure to check the show notes to learn where you can watch this movie for free. The quality isn't always the best when streaming, so we've also included a link to where you can purchase it. You can also get much more information, including the characters from this and all the 50 Date Night Screams episodes at betrayon.com slash Italian. Until next time, don't stop screaming. 50 Date Night Screams is a production of Mal and Tal Enterprises. It is written, produced, and directed by Amber and Mike Tresca. Thank you.